big week, especially for me, NBA fan, basketball fan, we got the All-Star game. Mm. Apart from the finals, probably one of the most exciting days, especially with the new format and stuff, but player of the week has to be Steph Curry. 50 points, All-Star MVP, capped off with probably one of the craziest shots you'll ever see. Shoots a half-court shot pretty much, turns around while the ball's still going up in the air and runs back down. Nothing but net. Sinks it. Doesn't even watch you go down. That's how confident he is. When you know, you know. What a man. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of Blokes and Their Balls here on the A Lot To Talk About Network. It is... Your captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver. You can call me Brad or the Cap. Call me whatever you want to call me because if you're a fan of the show, then I'm a fan of you. And I'm going to introduce my right-hand man now. He's, he's taken over the right-hand man position because old mate Duff is a little bit um, missing in action these days. MIA, as they say. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, he's the resident sports guy. I have a lot to talk about. He's the man we refer to as the undertaker. It's Jed Wellsy Wells. Hello, hello. Good morning. Yes, been a been a while between drinks. We had a bit of a week off there in the middle, but yeah. all that means is we've got two weeks of sport to hammer you down. So definitely get comfortable and enjoy this. The week off, my fault. Spontaneous boys trip to Burley. Got to be done. Has to be done. Has to be done. Necessary. Um, but yeah, good to be back in the studio. And let me say, there's a there's an air of confidence around me this week because I'm back in the studio as a champion. You are. You look good. Mm. You look good. You look like the you're feeling LA good. LA Rams, baby. Champs. We're going to get to that in a little bit, though. Um, as you know, if you're a fan of the show already, um, Jed sort of runs the sheet. He runs the show, and I just make some comments and have some commentary along the way. But as always, we kick it off with that play of the week. So I wouldn't say I run the show. I'd say the show runs me. It comes in. Yeah. I black out for about an hour. I wake up and Brad says we finished the episode. So <laughs> yeah, but we start with our play of the week every week. Big week, especially for me, NBA fan, basketball fan. We got the All Star game. Mm. Apart from the finals, probably one of the most exciting days, especially with the new format and stuff. But play of the week has to be Steph Curry, fifty points, All Star MVP, capped off with probably one of the craziest shots you'll ever see. Shoots a half-court shot pretty much. Turns around while the ball's still going up in the air and runs back down. Nothing but net. Sinks it. Doesn't even yeah. watch it go down. That's how confident he is. When you know, you know. What hey? a man. What when a man. When you know, you know. My play of the week is actually a little bit more localised. I want to say um, shout out to, to Mr. Bailey Antrobus. I'm not sure if he listens to the pod. I hope he does. But Bailey Antrobus bagged his first meat pie in a, in a trial game for the Saints on the weekend. Nice, the Dragons. nice. So, um, Big fit young fella. Seen him here having a coffee with some of the boys the other day. Fan, you know, fans and friends of the show: Zach Lomax, Blake Laurie, Joshy Kerr, and and Bailey sitting here at Liam E having a brew and um, you know a sense of good feeling about the fella having bagged his first meat pie. So good on you, mate. Um, stoked for you, and it's always good to see young talent getting a shot on the big stage and you know making the most of it absolutely we'll touch on it a bit more later but yeah a lot of very exciting nrl stuff going on both locally and nationally so but before we get into the new leagues we'll wrap up we missed it last week but the week before you know we dedicated the whole episode just to super bowl and then we got it and i think it lived up to the expectations it did look and let's just say i made some bold predictions before the game that it would be a a runaway rams fair fair to say it wasn't a runaway rams fair (laughs) It was 
a heart clenching, fucking sweat dripping, fucking shit fight. Really, it was it was a close game, and it was a very good game to watch. I can imagine as a fan, it would have been a really like as just a fan of the game, not someone connected to either of those two teams. Yeah, it's probably the best way that a Super Bowl can go. There's a few points in it. Um, it's not like super super low scoring or super boring. A few points in it, some really big moments, some really defining moments. But then also you've got that um, that down to the wire type of shit, and you know, the usual suspects, the Cooper Cups of the world, the Aaron Donalds, they were the big game players for us. They stood up, and um, I was sitting at his boy Elroy, enjoying enjoying a double cheeseburger, enjoying some some hot wings, a couple of Coke Zeros because I was getting a little bit Ooh, wild, big one for him, a little bit wild, two of them. In fact, and I was there with with my old boss and friend of mine, Tim Jones, and he said to me at about a quarter in, "Are you nervous?" I said, "No, I'm cool. I'm calm. I'm collected." He asked me the same question at halftime. I said, "What's there to be nervous about, Dr. Dre, fucking Snoop Dogg, Fifty, oh, Eminem?" Oh, what a show! They're just rocking it out. Good vibes, you know. Then third quarter, he asked me, "Are you nervous?" "Nah, mate. I'm chill." Ask me the same question in the fourth. Yeah, I'm starting to fucking feel it now. <laughs> it's starting to get heavy. Because it just started to... It started to become really, really vital that we made a move. And the thing that scared me the most was... When Jalen Ramsey had his face... Or his helmet grabbed. The face mask, the yeah. face shield. And pulled down. And then they scored that touchdown. I was like, man, if we don't win this game, there's going to be insane controversy. Oh, yeah. Because that was clear. That was as clear as it gets. But, you know, credit to the lads. And and for me, probably, you know, Cooper Cup got that MVP, but I thought Aaron Donald was just as good and, you know, maybe could have even grabbed the MVP status for himself because that final play and what he'd done all game, he was just... It was just so on, but it was such a team effort. There were so many stories that we spoke about going into it, the Eric Weddles of the world, um, Matthew Stafford being there after 13 seasons, OBJ, um, who I'm so glad got his moment. So happy, man. Yeah. So happy. I would have been really upset for him had he had not had a big moment in the game and, and it got injured, yeah. but to have a TD early in the piece, the first one of the game, and to know that he played a part, I think he'd feel really good about that. Um, it was just a special day for, for Rams fans and, you know, shout out to a young Joe Burrows and Bengals team who were fucking really, really good this season and, and were in the fight for the whole game. Um, it's exciting times ahead for the NFL. Absolutely. I'll just say something little and then I've got a few follow-up questions for you. Yeah. But there's a guy on Twitter, Van Lathan, used to work at MTV, now with The Ringer. One thing I've heard him talk about a lot before is when you talk about greatness, great like movies, great sports games, it's not about the consistency. It's not about the whole thing having like a base level of that was pretty good. It's just about the memorable moments. And that's why I think this Super Bowl was so good. Mm. It wasn't a game where every single snap was incredible. It wasn't electric every play. But you had to be watching because out of nowhere, OBJ just gets a touchdown. First, yeah. play, first um, Super Bowl one of his career, suddenly the Rams are up. You come out of halftime, fucking Bengals score a touchdown and get an in in like the first two minutes or something. Aaron Donald gets that game-winning sack. Like there was always, you always had to be watching because yeah. of stuff like that. So that that's what made there was a lot of big plays, but them being on both sides is what made it really entertaining for me. Like, I know it was a really really good game. Couldn't agree with you more. So, is Matt Stafford a Hall of Fame quarterback? 
That's a good question. I think it's hard, it's really hard to say, isn't it? Because I almost feel as though to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, maybe that ship has sailed. And and you know that's with all the love in the world for Matthew Stafford because he's you know he's brought our team a championship this year. But I feel like if you haven't done something remotely close to this in 13 seasons, like I feel like you put Tom Brady into that Detroit Lions team, yeah, they would have made a couple of playoffs. Like I don't think they would have they would have won Super Bowls or they would have had insane success. But I think you would have seen them in the playoffs, and Matthew Stafford to be in his first playoff series. After after you know twelve seasons of no success, yeah, I think you know to be a Hall of Famer, um, you've got to be able to be that star, to be that number one. I think he's a great quarterback who will succeed and continue to succeed in a great system, but I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, there was a lot of chatter about that on the internet. I I tend to agree with you. The fact that we're in year fourteen, this is his sort of like his one shining moment. Yeah. I don't think the door's closed on it because we see quarterbacks in this day and age can have success late into their career. Mm. And who knows? Maybe next year he comes back, fucks around, gets an MVP, maybe gets another ring. Then we're all considering it. But right now, the fact that you look at his resume, no MVPs. I don't know if he's ever had a pro bowl or anything. Got one ring. Like, that's a good career. You'd be happy with it. It's not a great one. I agree. Yeah. Number two. Are we going to see Joe Burrows in another Super Bowl? There was a stat I saw that I think the last eight first-time quarterbacks that lost never went back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think he's the underlier. I think he's the guy that... I actually, and, and here's a bold call from me. I think he will be more so than Patrick Mahomes, more so than, than any of these young QBs circulating the league. He's the next guy. He's the dude? He's, he's our new Brady. Shit. I think he's he's so good under pressure in a game where he, he got a little bit hurt there too, you know, as did Matthew Stafford, though. Um, there was some adversity. I think he is going to be the next guy. The fact that he's been able to do this in season one, and if you look at his last three years, Heisman Trophy, championship in college, now to be in the Super Bowl and to be so close... Like to be so so close. We watched Patrick Mahomes there, you know, two years ago now. Not not close. Great season, but not close in the big game. Yeah. Joe Burrows was so close to getting it done with no real O line yeah. against arguably the best defense in the league. I think he's an absolute superstar, and you know that won't be the last time we see him in big moments. I hope not. I think he's he's. Got the he definitely got the chance to be one of the faces of the league, and what a what a good face for the league it would be. Definitely, and you know he's got so much swag. I can see a couple of rings on his fingers one day. Absolutely, and then last question I had for you: We talked about last episode. You go back twelve months, no one picks the Bengals to go in near the Super Bowl. Right now, who's your team next year that's going to be in there that no one's going to see coming? Well, that's a that's a really good question. Just gut check. Um. Far out, that is such a good question. I'm going to go with... It's hard to say because it's, I haven't looked too much at the draft to see if there's anyone yeah, neither. really young or fresh coming out of it. Um, man, oh man. 
you're not backing Trevor Lawrence to, to follow Joey B in the second year? No. No, fuck no. <laughs> no, fuck the Jags. I don't um, know. Maybe I can see something happening in like... A team like I feel like a team like the Ravens. I was that was exact. I was going to say I think Lamar is just going to get the juice. I think the Ravens are going to yeah. be. They'll surprise a lot of people and end up there. That's, yeah, that's I, I can feeling. see that happening. Just maybe a few pieces of the puzzle they got to solve there. Yeah, but that's a team that I could see being there next year, um, or being one of the um, the bolsters. So yeah, and then just a quick one. This has sort of been happening in the last week. Brady retired, but no one ever really retires in the NFL. And there's been a lot of chatter about whether Aaron Rodgers is done or not. Do we think we see both these guys in the league again? I think we we see the end of both of them. There, there was that post that Aaron Rodgers put up the other day where he really was, you know, a lot of words, a lot of photos, a real wrap-up of the year, a, a big thank you to a lot of people. I feel as though that was his way of saying farewell. Yep. I don't know that we see Aaron Rodgers back. I think after the year that was, he definitely doesn't go back to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And I just can't see for a guy, you know, we've seen Tom do it for two seasons right at the Bucks. I just can't see Rodgers going to a new team, setting up shop again. There's no there's no real option for him at the moment where there's a where it makes sense for him to go and have good receivers and a good O-line and I just think he's just going to call it a day. And he's also getting to that age now where, you know, ultimately has, he's had a great career. A few counterpoints. Number one, um, himself and his fiance Shailene Woodley have reportedly broken up. So, you know, there's nothing that men like to do than throw themselves into their work after a bad breakup. So okay. could that be a extender of the career? Number two, what do we think about the 49ers? Jimmy G, not a very good season, not a very good playoffs. A lot of chatter online about whether... He was actually good through the playoffs. I don't think he was personally. And I think the Niners try and move on for him. you got Debo Samuels there, who's just been phenomenal. Maybe Devante follows him if he goes there. Does he do a Brady, go there for two years? If he went there, it would be insane. Because to me, that's almost like a fucking rivalry. Like the amount of times we've seen big Green Bay San Fran games in playoffs is like, that's insane. Well, it's happened before. Brett Favre whole career at Green Bay last two years was at Minnesota that's that's as like bitter rivals as yeah. you get in the NFL I don't know I just I just had a, a sense that the sentiment in the post the other day was a goodbye don't get me wrong I think right now he thinks he's done but yeah. we talk about it a lot with athletes especially the fact he just won MVP but didn't get a ring this is true every day he sits there a little bit more of him is going to be like I'm the best in the league what am I doing what am I going to do at home sit around Fucking listen to Joe Rogan and avoid getting vaccinated. Like, yeah. Can I say, for the record, I'd like to see him back. Because I think the game is better when there's when there's good players. When you've got a guy who's season MVP, yeah. like, why wouldn't you want him back in the league? So, I don't know. Maybe he does. And if he does, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like, what colours he's wearing. It'd be interesting to see it at San Fran. I think it'd be you fun. Know. Maybe we need it because the cars just aren't all they're stacked up to be. You know, Liam Duffy's team ain't given us enough troubles. Nothing. We're the NFC West. We're, we're number one, baby. So bring him over to fucking San Fran. Give us some competition. Let us fucking wipe their fucking slate clean of a win. That's the thing. Before Brady did it, I was super opposed to any club legends going to a new club. You see it a lot in the NBA guys just go to random clubs for their last few years. 
Tony Parker spent his whole career in San, in, um, San Antonio, did two years in Charlotte. MJ obviously went to the Wizards, that sort of shit. But Brady showed you can do it in a really dominant way. He didn't just go there for a paycheck and a vacation. He went and he won a ring and then like almost went back-to-back this year. Yeah. So I think it's different where if, if Rogers wants to extend his career and be successful, I'm all for it. Yeah, fucking let's hope so. Have we got a hot take? A hot take for the NFL? Oh, it's a good one. I'm clearing out. This is an ISO from you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Rams team back in full swing. I'm going to say Aaron Donald re-signs. Odell Beckham will re-sign. Oh, that's one, actually. You don't reckon AD is going to retire? Because no. there was a lot of talk about that no. before the game. If he gets one, he's that's everything for him. He's got everything he needed. He'll come back. He's so good. He's... He's arguably the best defensive player in the league. You know, we spoke about that. Best defender ever, arguably. Yeah, he's, he's so fucking good at what he does. He's in a team who's just won a championship. It's hard to get a taste of a win and walk away. Yeah. He's just had that. He's not like a Brady where he's had a bunch of rings and he's tasted it a bunch of times. He's just got that. Sean McVay will be in his ear. And McVay's Come the youngest back, coach ever. Like, McVay's got a big career ahead Massive of him. Massive career ahead of him. And we've just built... You know, we've built a le- we're basically building a legacy with this team. So I can see AD coming back. I can see Odell re-signing. I can see us going into next season with an even bigger strength in Robert Woods back in the receiving books. Cooper Cup, the the best defensive player in the league, is there. Like we're going to have such a good team next year with hopefully all of our injuries back and rehabbed, and I can see us being back in the Super Bowl. I just don't know who again, who that's against. So I can see the Rams. The Rams are about to do what the Patriots have done. They're about to do what some of these, like Green Bay, has done for years. You know, it's a good time to be a Rams supporter. It's a good time to be in LA. Rams on the brink of a dynasty, huh? I think so. That'll be a good way for them to help build out that fan base. We jump from that to basketball, and it's been a big few weeks. We didn't really get to cover the. The um, trade deadline and that sort of stuff, we'll get into it. The big one, the one on everyone's lips, the one that everyone's still waiting to see how it turned out. Ben Simmons is out of Philadelphia. We can say his name again. We can talk about him again. He's no longer the man who can't be named. Simmons was traded to Brooklyn along with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond for James Harden. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because it almost felt like it was never going to happen. It almost felt like Ben Simmons was just going to sit in the fucking stands... And wallow over the fact that he was a 76er for the rest of his life. And here we are. And it was an interesting one because we spoke a little bit about it in our group chat, right? Did it feel like a win for the 76ers or for the Nets? And I guess that's to be determined. Yeah. I think as far as... You made a really good point. As far as championship caliber teams go this year, 76ers have probably come out on top. I think it's a tough one because I think both teams have won. Because for both teams, you're getting an all-star caliber player in return for a guy that didn't want to be there. Yeah. In terms of Philly especially, you got rid of Ben, but if you're looking at this season, you traded Seth Curry and Drummond for James Harden because they were where they were without any Ben input. It's not like he was injured and they were waiting on him to return. Mm. They were playing without him, and they've inserted a guy who obviously is unfit but is still like a top three to five shooting guard or even just generally a guard in the league. Hmm. A guy that's going to be really good with Embiid, a guy who's had success in the past playing the pick and roll with Capella, with bigs like that. A guy that can take that scoring load off Embiid a bit. A guy that spaces the floor a lot more. So I think 
it's definitely going to depend on how Harden rocks up. He's definitely got a track record of not being the fittest and healthiest. And it's going to be interesting to see how Harden meshes with Embiid. Because, again, Harden is the guy that will, instead of going from A to B with the team, he'll go to Vegas and go clubbing for a night and then join the team again. So I think Philly need to be aware of the fact that he's like that. But Daryl Morey is the GM of the Sixers, and he's the one that dealt with Harden in Houston at his peak. So I think he would have told the team, this guy's coming in, here's what he's going to bring to us, here's what he's going to sort of take away. It's a net positive. Here's what to expect. Exactly. But on the other side, you you look at Brooklyn. They had a guy who came into training camp fat, unfit, didn't really want to be there. Like He was pretty public about the fact that that wasn't his ideal trade destination and was really pissed off at the whole Kyrie thing. They ship him away. They get Seth Curry, who's one of the top 10 shooters in the league. They get Drummond, who is a player. And you get Simmons, who isn't back yet, but is a top three defender in the league, is an amazing passer, who's playing on a team now where you've got shooters like KD, you've got Seth, you've got Joe Harris, you've got Paddy. Like that lineup plus Ben. Ben doesn't have to be the second guy anymore. You've got Kyrie as well. It was announced earlier this morning that New York's looking to lift their vaccine mandate so Kyrie can come back full time. Yeah. That's it's exactly what Ben needed. Ben was a great, great college player and the number one pick, but he's never been able to be that dude. But if he can be on this team where KD's the dude on any team he plays on. If Ben can set screens, he can roll really well, he can catch oops, he can facilitate, he can defend the other team's best player, that makes Brooklyn ten times more dangerous. Than having Harden because I said right at the start when when Harden first went to Brooklyn I didn't love that fit because him and Kyrie do a lot of the same stuff yeah. Harden's a lot more of a passer but in terms of their actual they both need the ball a lot they're both fairly ISO heavy I think the fit now where you've got KD who's like a, one of the best scorers of all time Kyrie who's an incredible point guard now you've got Ben as one of the best defenders that that's a much better lineup to me than the Harden fit and look, let's be real. What does Ben Simmons loves? Ben Simmons love, I should say. What's that? Ben Simmons loves models. That's right. More models in New York than in Philly. <laughs> Just think about it. They also become one of the most Aussie teams in the league. You got Ben, you got yeah. Patty, you got Kyrie, who obviously was born in Melbourne. Yeah. So the the Brooklyn Boomers are going strong over there. Yeah. So yeah, I think both these teams got a lot better, and it's going to be a very fun end of the season. Hopefully everyone's back soon. Harden was allegedly dealing with a hamstring injury that he's coming back from. Ben hasn't played in eight months, so he's going to obviously have to be integrated back into playing at full speed. As we said this morning too, wouldn't it be amazing if there was an Eastern Conference Finals between those two teams? I would give my firstborn son to watch a seven-game series of that. I That would probably be one of the best series of all time. That would be fucking great. Imagine the media hype, the conversation. And that's not even accounting for the fact that these two teams have history generally. Like, yeah. the Ben and Joel Sixers took down a Nets team a few years ago that was really chirpy. The D'Angelo Nets, before they got those big guys, that was like a big series. So, like, it literally is perfect cinema if that happens. It's going to be awesome. Please, please, guys, make that happen. I think Giannis and the Bucks are going to be in contention to spoil the fun a little bit. Yeah. I'm hoping the Bulls, but to be honest with you, our best big is Vucevic. He's not a great defender. I think that's going to be some problems if and when that time comes. Yeah. But yeah. And also, just a quick apology from me to Daryl Morey. 
I've doubted him a lot. I've talked a lot of shit about him over the last six months. Mm. I thought he was kind of doing a dick measuring contest with Clutch a bit. He was holding on to Ben when he didn't need to be. There was a few possible trades out there for guys like Jeremy Grant and shit like that. But props to him. He held fast. He played the game. And everyone's come out on top, to be honest with you. I don't think there's a loser here. Yeah. Maybe Seth Curry. But even then, I think he's on a championship team still. It's not like he got traded to fucking Houston. You know, and here's the thing. Daryl listens to the show. Big D. He does. That dick measuring contest of yours. Maybe you got one of the biggest digs out there. Yeah, I think so. Because it really paid off. Um, a few other just quick notes on some of the bigger trades. CJ McCollum traded to New Orleans, splitting yeah. up the Damon CJ backcourt. Mm. Just things aren't looking nice for Dame, are they? No. I. It was going to have to happen eventually. Portland had a very hard ceiling. They were a good team, but they just you can't... You can't keep bowing out the same time year after year and keep running it back. That's what Einstein said. You do the same thing and expect different results. That's insanity. Yeah. So props to the Blazers for realizing that. Trying to keep Dame happy. They get rid of CJ. They're going to try and bring in some other talent. Will it work? Who knows? There goes Brad dropping his phone. Just doing but Liam Duffy. I think, that's a, I think that's a good trade just in terms of trying to just flip some things around and see how it goes. I don't think Dame's going anywhere. I think he's too happy and comfortable. So it's really about flipping the roster around him, and I think that's probably what, that they had to do that. And I just want to say as well, props to you for using an Einstein quote in the middle of a Blokes hey, and Their Balls episode. I'm not just a pretty face. <laughs> that's as good as it gets. <laughs> um, in terms of what New Orleans get back, they get CJ McCollum. I think he's probably one of the more overrated players in the league. He's never been an all-star. He's a good shooter. He's a great scorer sometimes. We've seen him not be able to be a reliable second option for a championship team in Portland. Mm. I don't think that changes. There's also a lot of... I don't know if you've heard about this, but a lot of reports of Zion with some beef allegedly didn't reach out to CJ to say anything in like the few weeks after he was traded. Got blasted by JJ Redick on um, one of the ESPN morning shows. Reports that he's going to have to have another foot surgery, so he's probably out for the rest of the year. But people just don't think he's happy in New Orleans. And there's a lot of chatter that he might try and do an Anthony Davis and force his way out. Can, can I ask you a question here? No. Okay. No, okay. On to the next. Um, could Zion be the biggest disappointment in NBA history? It's starting to feel that way a little because bit. Because it just feels like injury after injury, report after report, we just get further from seeing the guy that was the number one pick the hype train and it's really like it's a story of that um sometimes overbuilding the narrative the thing is with Zion though when he has played he's been phenomenal he was an all nba player last year he put up historical numbers like i don't know what they are exactly but it was an amazing output hmm. he's the dude he's got the talent it's just the weight's always been a problem with him that's going to cause injuries and the commitment people questioned from day 1 Oh, Zion's in New Orleans. Does he really want to be there? I didn't think it was a great place for him. I think they really mishandled Davis in the way that they didn't put together great teams around him. Yeah. But I think at least Davis bought in. He went for a few playoff runs. He tried to make it work with DeMarcus and then with Drew Holiday and Rondo. Zion's got Brandon Ingram there, who's been an all-star. He's got a lot of... Like, Josh Hart was there, who was a good player. He's got CJ now. They're not going to win a ring with it, but if he's if he actually buys in, they've got they're a good team. Yeah, it's that's a hard thing, isn't it? It's like you can be so talented, but you have to buy in, yeah, and you have to be healthy. Exactly. 
So, you know, we, we hear of these stories all the time. The the guy that, you know, how many how many of you are sitting at home and your dad tells you he was going to be the next big thing, but it was his knee <laughs> or it was his ankle? Like, we don't want Zion to be one of those stories, that he was going to be the guy, but he was too heavy, injury prone, and we just never really got to see him reach his potential in the league. I hope he can get these things sorted out. And I don't know what it looks like for him. If he loses weight, that changes the way he plays the game. It changes some of his physicality. Maybe he can afford to lose a bit. But I don't know. He was never that dude, though, that was using his weight if he had it. He wasn't backing people down in the low post. He wasn't abusing He was an explosive dude. He was a high flyer. Losing weight's only going to help that. You can jump higher. You can last longer. Hmm. This he's, is true. He's one of those rare cases where if in 15 years we're looking at him and he's played 10, 15 years in the league, he's been like a six, seven-time All-Star. He's maybe been like a first-time, um, first-team All-NBA a few years. That's still a disappointment. He was the guy who was promised to come in and win multiple MVPs, win multiple rings. He was the next coming. So that's when I talk about, I don't think he's a bust. He's not like fucking Greg Oden or anything. He's going to have a long and successful career. Yeah, but I really hope he can have the career that everyone thought he was going to have, which is a generational one. And as the years go by, all you have to do, right, is compare him with Jar Morant. You look at both those guys. Jar started as an All Star this year. He's an MVP candidate. He's leading the Grizzlies, who are I think second or third in the West right now. Like those guys yeah. were both drafted at the same time. Zion, number one. Jar, number two. Number two is looking pretty good right now. Very good right now. And he's very good to watch. So I hope Zion can get it together, but I'm just yeah. I'm just worried about the mentality part of it all. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then just a quick one. Chris Stapps Porzingis traded to Washington in return for Dimwitty. That officially breaks up the Luca and Chris Stapps duo. Yep. It just, to me, this trade just feels like they just got bored and wanted to make a trade. Like, I don't think Luca and Chris Stapps got on all that well. But I don't think Dinwiddie raises their ceiling. He doesn't lower it, but he doesn't raise it. Can I ask, what what are your feels with Luca? Because he's obviously so good, but is he ever going to do anything at Dallas? I think when you ask stuff like that, you've got to really think about context. Where He's 22 years old. He came in young. And before that, he was like a EuroLeague MVP, and he played in that league for probably four years. Mm. So, like, we look at it. He's got three years till he's the same age as, like, Giannis. Yeah. And he's already made deep playoff runs. He hasn't won anything substantial, but he's young. And I think a lot of it also goes back to roster building and coaching. I, they hired Jason Kidd this year, and I hated that move. I don't think Kidd's a good coach at all. I don't think he's a great person, but that's neither here nor there. But I think as Luca grows, his game will improve, but his leadership will improve too. I think he needs to... Even when he was the EuroLeague dude, he's a young kid. He was never the leader. This is the first time in his career that he's the dude. Yeah. And there's a certain way of acting that goes with that if you really want to be this guy. So I think that's going to be a learning curve for him. For sure. But I think he's still balling out. Like, he was an all-star again this year. Yeah. He's Individually, he's brilliant. Yeah. Like, Dallas aren't bad either. Like, I'd have to look, but I think they're probably like five to eight range. Yeah. But I think they could definitely cause an upset if they get a favorable matchup as well. Who, who would they need to make their team a team? A contender? Like, who fits the way that Luca plays? I think Chris Dabbs was the right idea, but the wrong guy. Like, yeah. I think a good big, but like a stretch big. Someone like Cat 
or AD, someone that can stretch the floor for Luca, but then is also athletic enough to play in that two man because he's yeah. really good with like fucking Dwight Powell and stuff like that. Willie yeah. Cauley Stein. So you get a guy that can like do his own stuff. Yeah. But then can also help Luca. I think that's probably the key there. Yeah, nice. Um, what else what happened? So we just finished All Star Weekend. Eh. Yeah. That's that's how I can describe it. The three point contest, Carl Anthony Towns won, had a record twenty nine points. That's big. It was big. I don't know. I think I'm lower on the three point contest than a lot of people. I think it's fun, but I don't think that it is as exciting as other ends because like you hear the broadcast talk about it, they're just shooting open shots. Yeah. There's not it's the same thing every year. And and we see plenty of three points in a game. Exactly, right? exactly. Skills contest was really weird this year. They made teams. They tried to split it up. I think it's close to being really good. They just got to tweak it a bit. But it was just a bit of a learning curve. Good to see our boy Josh Giddy in that, though. Man, Josh Giddy's making some noise, isn't he? Man, he if he can keep this up, he's going to be in the Rookie of the Year the conversation. The thunder from down under. He's amazing. He's, what he's, a man. I was really high on Giddy, and he's outperformed everything I thought he'd be. That's awesome. I thought he'd be like the 12th pick get a bit of a run and stuff. He's one of the best four or five rookies. It's, it's exciting for Australian basketball, isn't it, that we've got so many of these good young guys just circulating the league now. And Well, even in the Rising Stars, we saw Dyson Daniels, who's playing with the G League Ignite team. He's draft eligible this year. Yeah. He's going to be a lottery pick as well. Tyrese Proctor's a guy that's a year younger than him. He's getting offers from Duke, and he just had his official visit there. That's awesome. There's a big wave coming through. Fuck yeah. Um, dunk contest was fucking atrocious, but it has been every year since Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon maxed it out. We were chatting about this earlier. Yeah, for sure. Dunk contest is always going to be one of those ones where we'll get one good one every six to eight years and we'll spend the next decade lamenting that till we get the next one. It was Vince Carter in 2000 and everyone was like, oh, that's it. There's no point having it. Nate Robinson and Dwight in like the 2010s was okay. But yeah, the Zach and Aaron one is the high watermark. So it's hard to watch Jalen Green wear an NFT around his neck and attempt 15, <laughs> 15 windmills. But it is what it is. The actual game was really fun. They did the Elam ending, which we've talked about, where instead of a timed ending, they have to shoot for a target score. Steph Curry, fuck, just there is no one more fun to watch when they're on than Steph. Than Steph he yeah. went for 50. He got 15 threes or something. He was throwing them from half court like we talked about. But... Just clutch, eh? But who hit the game winner? Had to be LeBron. One-legged fadeaway in the presence of all the NBA 75 greats to win the game. Yeah. Amazing. He knows how to ice a game like that, doesn't he, Bron? Yeah. He knows how to make a moment. That's the thing with Bron. Like, he's, as much as he's outstanding, he knows the cinema of the game yeah, too. Yeah, he understands it. That's, that's why he has been so great is he knows, he knows the quotes to give. And we talk about that too. There was a press conference before the All-Star where people asked about Bronny Jr., his son. High school player now. A lot of, lot of conflicting reports about where he would go in the draft. Yeah. But LeBron's pretty much confirmed he will get drafted because he said, whoever takes him, I'm going to play my last year of my career with him, no matter what it takes. So That's huge, eh? He didn't say Bronny's rookie year. He said the last year of his career. So it might be year three, year four. But... There's going to be at least one team out there who's like, at least for a money thing, we'll take him because then we know we'll get LeBron for at least a year. Coming off the bench, averaging 15 points and fucking three rebounds, super old LeBron. 
you're going to get a year of him to play with his son, which is going to be sick. That would be cool. Who would you like to see take him? It's interesting. I, I'd love Cleveland. I'd love that that was the... Yeah, that'd be a cool If narrative. he ended it the way he started it. I think there's been a bit of chatter that he might look to go there after this year because he's in the final <laughs> year of his LA contract and I don't think they're giving him many reasons to stick around at this point. Yep. There's been, a, but it depends. It all depends on who's got the picks that year. I think there was a report I read that OKC is the most statistically likely because they have like sixty of the eighty draft picks in one draft or something. Yeah. Not actually that much, but like that Presti's just built a war chest, so maybe there. Okay. The only the only worry I have is if it is somewhere like that, it's just going to be a bit awkward. Like some random, like like Orlando or someone just random, like where they'll take him and then we just see LeBron's last year. Into some fucking stupid jersey. Some weird as jersey, yeah. And then just the last one, Chris Paul has injured his thumb. So he's out, I think it was four weeks, or, oh no, a bit longer, four to eight. So I think he'll come back as the playoffs start there without him for the rest of the regular season. Just quickly to go back Illawarra Hawks. Fuck. LeBron. <laughs> Bronny Jr. Uh, we can all dream. I think we'll get LeBron if he's 60 if he's yeah. coming to play out here. Um. And yeah, so Chris Paul's injured. I don't think it's going to matter too much. I think they've yeah. already, they're going to be a top four and that's all that matters is they get a home seat advantage. Yeah, definitely. They're, um, they've been good this year, so they've been consistent. But that ties into my hot take, which is Draymond's return is going to dictate who wins the championship. If Dre returns and he's looking as good as he was pre-injury, it's the Warriors to lose. Steph is, mm. he's in a bit of a slump still, but he's, Hopefully the All-Star game can break it. He's looking like an MVP candidate for sure. Clay's come back really good. They're a really deep team. If they can get Draymond back, who was an MV- he was the Defensive Player of the Year leader before he got injured, I can't see another team, at least in the West, matching up with them. Do you think we see a... To go like early championship game predictions, would you think that it would be out of order to say the Warriors and the Bucks? I think, so like if it starts tomorrow, is that what you mean? Yeah. See, that's tough because like my instinct is to say the Suns, but now Chris Paul's injured, it really throws it around a bit. Yeah. I'll go Warriors. I'm not sure who comes out of the East. Right now, probably the Bucks. But again, by the time we get to the finals, Philly. Paul will be back. Draymond will be back. Obviously, Harden and Simmons will be back. So. Every contender's missing a dude right now. Yeah. So I think what a way to end the year. It's going to be a very, very fun postseason, I think. For sure. Have a look at some UFC and some combat now. We didn't really get to wrap up this card as well, but the Israel Adesanya card. Great card. Amazing really good card. card. A lot of good stuff happening. Um, you know, let's talk about that main fight quickly while it's on our... Go for it. While it's on the tip of our fingers and the tips of our tongue. Um really really talked about the interesting thing for me was there was a lot of conversation around Robert Whittaker with a potential upset I was starting to hear that from a lot of media sources within the UFC world starting to hear that from a lot of fans Um, I was pretty confident Izzy was going to get the job done see I love I love both guys it's a hard thing when you've got you know that A and Z connection the A and Z clash there yeah in the UFC it's almost like 
Kiwis are almost like Aussies and Aussies are almost like Kiwis, right? We're all sort of like that one band of fans that just want to see, um, you know, the two lands from the Southern Hemisphere have success in the UFC. And it was such a great fight. It was really all it was, um, all it was pumped up to be. And you could even arguably say off that fight, the hard thing is Rob's calling for a third. Um, I kind of get where he's coming from because there's no one else really in that division yeah. looking likely to challenge Izzy. Jared Kennanier, who had a great win on that card against Derek Brunson, um, that was a bit of an upset for me. Blonde Brunson. Yeah. Course. Blonde Brunson is just not the best Brunson, is he? Um, <laughs> But, you know, the interesting thing is Kennedy looked really good in that. But we've seen Kennedy get dominated by Rob. Yeah. So, you know, this talk about Kennedy is the next guy to fight Izzy. I don't know. I don't know. Because I just can't see him challenging him. It's tough in this situation especially because if Rob goes for the trilogy and wins somehow, it's not going to feel fair, I don't think. Because then Rob's going to have the belt after being one and two. Then do you run it back for a fucking fourth fight? Like what? Well, that's the thing. Then Izzy arguably deserves a fourth. Yeah. And then it's it's the fight that we're like, fuck, we've seen it so many times, do so we give a fuck anymore? I think the UFC is getting a little bit too over-trilogied. I think rematches are good. And if it's 1-1, trilogy's sure. But I think they're trying to buy into a lot of the, oh, people like this fight, we'll just do it again. It's, it's the marketability... But, but unfortunately, it loses that. Yeah, they're not the looking second. one year forward, three years forward, where it's like, what's the point of having these dudes fight three times if one guy's won twice? If the second guy wins the third time, it's just going to feel cheap. Yeah, for sure. Because everyone's going to... Anyone will lose eventually. You put anyone up a hundred times, they lose one. But yeah. is that really showing that you're the ultimate fighter? Or did you just keep going until you got the one? Well, there's been a bit of talk around, um, obviously current light heavyweight championship Tejira Tejira I think is how you say it um, he's got a fight coming up soon maybe Izzy challenges the winner of that and goes for that light heavyweight belt again see if he can step it up I don't know man I just I, I almost feel a little bit sorry for Izzy because I feel like he's stranded on an island by himself at the moment yeah. and that also makes it whilst that's great as a champion to be the guy that no one can beat as a guy who I know is trying to make bank while he's there, it makes it very hard. Yeah. Because it's very hard to sell a matchup or get big box office numbers or pay-per-view numbers, I should say, when there's no one that really challenges you exactly, in that yeah. field. So I don't know what that looks like, what that landscape looks like, but we'll see. Um, I can't see Usman stepping up to middleweight to try and challenge Izzy just because of that... Um, Nigerian connection, you know, they've yeah. both been pretty, pretty vocal in like not wanting to ruin that for each other. But yeah, we'll see. You know, it was a great card. There were so many good matchups. I think one bullshit thing I, I saw a lot in the day after the Izzy fight too is Izzy cops a lot of criticism now for the way he fights as well. People are saying he's not exciting enough, like that's a knock against him, and I just don't understand that because he like I know that UFC is entertainment, but when you're getting in the ring to fight someone. You're not thinking, oh, I hope I'm going to be exciting. You're thinking, oh, I hope I'm going to win. I've, I've, so if he's got a style that he knows will win, why would he change that just so fucking Brett from Wisconsin's going to be like, oh, that was awesome. He kicked the guy in the head before he got fucking yeah. choked out. And when you've got a fight IQ like Izzy and you've been doing it for so long, 
like you can't have the career Izzy had in kickboxing and the career he's had in the UFC by just going in and taking head knocks. Yeah. Like just to, just to create wars for people to watch. I know we all love watching a war, but if you love the art of the sport, you'll appreciate what that man does in there. The thing for me, which I'd love to see, this would be the perfect narrative. Alex Pereira, the only guy to ever knock out Israel Adesanya in kickboxing. Now in the UFC. Now with some wins under his belt. I'd love to see that guy go on a fucking rip and tear yeah. through the middleweight contenders and make his way into a title shot with Izzy. Because wouldn't that be a narrative? That'd be amazing. Like the unbeatable middleweight in the UFC fighting against the only guy who's ever knocked him out. We would just be seeing a war on the feet. And I'll tell you what, it would be... F- and I'd love to see it because I think then Izzy's ego kicks in a little bit. Yeah. Well, now I've got something to prove. Yeah. It'd be hard to be like, he's knocked me out, but I won on points. Like, you, you, it's a bit it's a bit more there. It's something a bit extra. That, that, for me, would just be the perfect narrative. But, yeah, look, as far as the UFC's upcoming bouts go, um, obviously Ty got a very good Ty, win. Ty, man. Man, he's he's on he's on a run at the moment. Um, how that looks for him in terms of um, well, apparently he's number three now. Yep, moved up rankings. to three after knocking out Derek Lewis. Um, I don't know who puts their hand up to fight him next. I think Derek Lewis is very overrated. I might cop a little bit of criticism for that, but Derek Lewis has never been that good. He just has insane power, and he can get a little bit punch drunk and still throw shots. He's kind of just resilient and. I think we've seen him in big fights really, like, struggle to be technical and show a skill set. Yep. So I think, and, you know, he looked very dangerous at stages against Ty as well because he does have that knockout power. But I think who Ty fights next, I don't know. You know, the biggest question is what Francis Ngannou is going to do in that division, whether he's going to stay, whether he's going to go. Um, but ultimately, I feel like Stipe's been a little bit lost in the conversation. He probably needs to come out and fight someone and dictate what the top order looks like. I think Cyril Gain was one that I saw a lot of people saying that might be... Like, obviously, he's not going to get the title shot as a third-ranked... Having, yeah. having the, like, I don't think he's got yeah. the juice just yet, but he needs one more legit win, and then that'll, that'll be the stepping stone up to... That's a really, I think that's a really good call. Like I think Cyril Gain coming off a loss to Francis, but having had the success he has in that division would be a really good fight for Ty. Um, it'd be just like to measure his mark, to see where he's at. And that's the thing. We talked about Derek being a bit, not as skilled. I think Ty is a little bit cut from that same cloth. Like even in that fight, he took a lot of damage. And the reason he was able to win is because his chin was just made of fucking yeah. solid steel. I think a guy like Gain, a little bit more technically proficient, that'll kind of be the test for tyres if he's a legit fighter or just like a banger. I, I love Ty, man. It's so and it's so cool to see an Aussie guy on that stage, and especially when you see that Aboriginal flag on yeah, the cage. Like exactly, it's really cool to see that in the UFC. But I agree with you where you say he isn't a technical fighter as such. I believe he's got a lot of skill set. He's a great athlete, um, but I think against those guys like I th- I would struggle to see a way that he could beat Francis Ngannou yeah but in saying that you don't knock out what is it four guys five guys straight without some skill like you, exactly. you can't you don't get lucky that much yeah exactly so, so I think it's a hard one I just think he needs that like a, a real tune up before he goes for that title yeah hopefully you can maybe drop a little bit of weight as well like 
sharpen up a bit. Yeah. Um, what else we got in here, Bradley? Um, UFC upcoming. We've got Islam Makachev against Bobby Green. I think I know how that one goes. Yeah. As cool as Bobby Green is, um, Makachev's just on that tear right now, and I think he will he will do what he does best and absolutely more. Yeah. Um, so that's this weekend upcoming, UFC 257. And I want to talk about a little bit of a bromance that's forming. You know, Hit me you, with it. You and I sitting across here from each other, staring into each other's eyes. That's a bromance. Best part of my week. Best, like, what a part of the week, right? You look at a guy like Taito Avasta and his good mate Tyson Pedro. Bromance. Let me tell you about another UFC bromance that's been brewing. My mm. man, one of my favourites, Darren Till, right? Brewing up a bit of a bromance with Kamzat Chiveyev. Those guys training together, talking about a, a welterweight and a middleweight, which I think is great because Kamzat walks around pretty big too. Um, so the great sparring partners and training partners for each other. They were sparring the other day, they were hitting some pads, they were having a laugh. You love to see it. Bit of an unlikely duo. It's like when you see those like feel-good stories. And it's like, oh, this dog's like friends with a duck, but they're like still good mates and stuff. It's you like know? Denny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Exactly, exactly. Except they're relatively similar It's like size. me and Liam Duffy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, to be honest, that's probably the best comparison. <laughs> um, but no, nah, cool to see those guys hanging out. I think anytime, anytime you're a professional athlete at that level, when you get to mix your skills with guys who are... Yeah you know very good and it's similar weights it, it only helps you so much so i hope those guys continue to train together because i would be lying if i said i didn't want to see darren till go on an absolute tear through the ufc he's one of my favorites to watch yeah um jumping into a bit of boxing quickly harry garside friend of the pod he's mm. got a his first title fight of what's going to definitely be a long and prosperous career yeah very exciting for him second professional fight and he's already stepping in there to fight for an aussie title um, thing I love about Haz is he's just a good human through and through. But if you follow him on any socials, this guy is a perfectionist. This is a guy who is in the gym every day doing what needs to be done to be the best boxer, but also challenging himself as a human being. Every month he does a challenge to do something uncomfortable. This, w- this year or this month, I should say, it was like a swim in open water from like one point to another he does breath work he does all this crazy stuff he sent me his goals at the start of the year him and i were talking about like our goals and some of the challenges we'd set for ourselves and he sent me this list and and let me tell you if you think you've seen a good harry gar side you haven't even seen what's coming this guy's got some massive goals for this year he's putting in big action behind that intent and I've got no doubt that he walks away with an Aussie title belt wrapped around his waist and will continue to go on a tear through his boxing division. And look, that's the thing. Harry's 1-0 and mm. with one hand. We haven't seen Harry in a professional fight at full capacity and he's still obliterated his opponent. He's fucking left-handed assassin. Exactly. So imagine what's going to happen when the guy's got to watch for both hands. It's, it's lights out. Two is better than one, right? No comment. Um... <laughs> A few more boxing. Tyson Fury is officially scheduled to fight Dylan White in April. We've talked about it a bit. It's just like, eh. yeah. Yeah, I think Tyson wins. Tyson yeah. actually put up a post on Instagram this morning saying that he's going dark on socials until fight. Yep. Until he fights. There'll be some, some of his team posting updates here and there, but it won't be coming from him. And um, he's really locking in. I know there's, there's a real grudge between him and Dylan, and 
it's obviously something he wants to do. It's a, a fellow countryman, Dylan White, being an English fella, and um, I think I think Tyson will do what Tyson does best. There's, for me, there's no one in heavyweight boxing that can beat no. Tyson Fury right now. And if the person's there, they're definitely not Dylan White. I, no, exactly. We talked about it before. It's not really the fight anyone is stinging to see, but boxing's going to do boxing and boxing politics, baby. There, well, I'm um, sure we'll get Fury AJ when they're both fifty. Yeah, exactly, fun. exactly. Geriatric fucks. Um, <laughs> and then just quickly, Tim Zhu's card has fallen through. Bit of chatter, maybe he will step up to take on take on the remainder, but sucks to see Tim, who had a lot of momentum coming in, kind of got screwed on the on the fight anyway, to then, yeah, is, is looking like he might not get a fight at all. Yeah, you know, sad to see. The hard thing is these guys prepare so hard. This happens and... You know, it's a rule, um, you know, sitting here the other day with Colby Thickness, who now is trying for the fourth time to prepare for an upcoming bout after so many cancellations with COVID and these sort of things and cards falling apart. Um, it's really tough, but hopefully Tim gets his opportunity and, you know, we're big fans of Tim here at the pod. We are, we are. We want to see all Aussies do well in boxing. We want the takeover. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's the combat sport. Fight night coming up this week, not... Not anything amazing, but big cards on the horizon, so... Definitely. Um, little bit of NRL talk now. It is still the off-season, but we're fucking... We're hurdling straight towards the regular season. Trials are going on at the moment, and of course, all the dramas from trials. We'll start off with everyone's favourite, Latrell Mitchell. Suspension has been cut by the NRL, officially cleared to play. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I looked at that and I thought, well, you know, he's missed out on the the All-Stars game, which is big for him. Yeah. Um, I think if they weren't going to let him play, it has to count for part of his suspension. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And um, ultimately, I want to see, as much as you you know, you know do the crime, you do the time, I want to see South Sydney ripe and ready for the Roosters in round three because I don't want no excuses when we fucking put them to the dust. And as much as suspension's obviously important, you don't want to see anyone trying to get away with bad stuff. You want all the stars playing that you can. Oh, it's yeah. not it's not good for the NRL to have a guy who, for better or for worse, is probably one of the more well-known players sitting on the sidelines for half Doesn't this season. Doesn't serve anyone, does it? I don't know if you saw, but he had a quote that came out yesterday saying that he doesn't think he needs to change how he plays. He thinks the league needs to meet him. Yeah, and... I think it's a full-on thing to say after you've fractured someone's yeah. cheek and jaw. Maybe a little bit bold. I get, I get what he means. The game is softening up a little bit. Yeah. Um, maybe getting a little too restricted in some areas. But, you know, it, it's fair to say he was definitely at fault in this situation. We spoke about it at length when it happened. And, um, you know, as long as he takes ownership for that and he's a little bit more mindful moving forward. Yeah. Um, and if he's not, he's going to spend more time on the sideline. Yeah, exactly. It's that simple. Um, we just talked about him at the start of the episode, but Blake Laurie is re-upped with the Dragons till the end of yeah. 2023, I think. It's awesome to see. I looked at their predicted round one lineup for for this year, and you know they've got a really good side. The Dragons, they've got some, they've got real youth there. Um, they've you know a bit of a rebuild in some of the major positions. You know, number one, number six. Um, but I'm excited for this team. I think they've got a real opportunity to be top eight this year. And to really have a crack and having got to know a few of the lads, <clears throat> excuse me, over the course of the last couple of months, you know, I really want to see them do well. So I've got my fingers crossed for the Dragons that it is a good season, that they're able to stay healthy and stay in the fight. 
Um, and yeah, shout out for, to Blake Laurie. I know he's one of those guys that everyone there at the Dragons loves to play alongside him. He really leaves it all out on the field and he's, he's a very decent human being too. Anthony Griffin, their coach, has also re-signed. A few people question that one. I've seen, I see both sides of it. I think one of the most convincing takes I read on it is that the Dragons just really need some consistency. Just the last few years, they've been all over the shot. They've been up and down. They had that whole party incident where fucking half their team got got done. I just, I don't know if he's the guy that's going to lead them to a, a championship, a title. Yeah. But I think it's just good to not be changing it around again and then forcing all these guys to get accommodated to a new coach and a new system. Yeah, and and I think a lot of those boys are comfortable with Griff. Like, yeah. I think they call him Hook. Um, they seem to be comfortable with Hook because a lot of them have played under him before and I think ultimately a coach you know is better than one you don't and if you feel like you've got some form of relationship and you're building... The one thing I noticed about the Dragons last year, which... I had conversation with a few of them about is I would see a lot of the teams sitting around having coffee together yeah catching up like there seemed like there was a really good connection in the side that they really are boys and you know it's it's nice to see that and I think that only strengthens after another year and after a year where they were hit with some controversy and I think this year's hopefully a better time for them so um, it'll be nice to see how that plays out, but it's an exciting year for the NRL as a whole and arguably the most exciting in the last five or so because I feel like the talent's been a little bit more balanced. Yeah. Um, there's been some really big signings across the board um, that I feel like we're going into a season where anything could happen. Absolutely, yeah. It just feels it feels a lot more level. Definitely. It doesn't feel as top-heavy as it has in a few previous years. Um, Dylan Brown is back with the Eels. Yeah, massive signing. He, he's someone that you know any NRL fan loves Dylan Brown. He brings so much energy. Um, he's very good when he's out there. And, you know, this is a really defining year for Parramatta because the last two seasons, they've been very good. They've been a team able to upset some of the bigger sides in, in big games, in big moments. Um, they were a team who, I believe, were the only team to take down Penrith in regular season this year. Maybe I'm right with that. Maybe Penrith had two losses. I'm not sure. Um, but I know, I know Parramatta definitely took them down at one stage. You know, with Mitchell Moses at his best, with Dylan Brown at his best, with Clint Gutherson doing what Clint Gutherson does best, they've got a really good side. Yeah. A really good side. The question for them will be, um, obviously, they're losing Reed Marnie, I think, after this year. Or is it this year? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when. I've, I've got a feeling it might be. Oh, it's after this year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes but I think Parramatta's got to really step up and have a big season if if they can't do it this year it's going to be hard to believe they can with that team yeah it's nice to be the fun little team that can spring upsets you'd much rather be the team on the other end of an upset because it means that you're one of the favourite teams if yeah, that, if that sure. makes sense for like, sure those are more moral victories if you're like, oh, no one thought you'd win this game, but you did. Like, it's yeah. great. But that's not really what you want to be every season because it just shows that you're consistently not a team that people will rate. Yeah, for me, for me they've got to be a top four team this year. Be cool. Um, I don't know if they will be. I'm, I'm not saying that, like... Oh, you said they should they, be. They should be. Yeah, like, okay. if, if they're going to really push, they should be because they've got a great side and... Um, they've got a lot of talent, like Bryce Cartwright, very talented guy. They've got some great forwards. 
um, you know, they're a strong side. The the other team that I think is going to do really well this year is Cronulla. Yep. Jesse Ramian looked really good in the All Stars game. Um, they got Cameron McGuinness back at thirteen. Nico Hines. They've got is Nico be very Hines fun. there. They've got Matt Moylan hopefully hitting some form again. They seem to have a real, um, a real exciting sort of piece there. Yeah. And you know they've got a good young hooker. So, and and you know a new coach. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited for them this year. But ultimately, um, you know, we're two weeks away from season. We are. We definitely haven't seen the, the truth of the league and the trials because a lot of the big players have been sitting out. and the yeah. Roosters didn't really play anyone in our game. Um, one thing I will say, though, to anyone sitting here listening is NRL fantasy. NRL fantasy. We're talking about a little bit. One of my good mates, Reese Cole, big Rooster supporter. We are, we are. Lifelong friend. Asked me if I want to play a bit of fantasy this year. Why not? I'm up for a bit of um, coaching role play, would you say? And I'm going to put the offer out there. I might throw it up on my Ooh. story, a bit of an entry to the league that any of you fans who want to get around NFL, oh, NFL, NRL fantasy this year, I'm living in the past, um, hit us up. Get around the comp, it'll be fun. There's no money buy-in, there's nothing like that. Um, we're just going to make it a good time, a little bit of banter. Just, you know, competing for second place behind me. Yeah. Whatever works. So we says, we'll see, eh? Um, then just a quick one. Bit of a sad story. Hayes Dunster out for the season. Uh, took a pretty bad tackle and has ruptured his ACL, PCL and MCL. Yeah, fuck. That's so rough, hey? it's The um the old whatever CL is not what you want to hear early in the season. It's not what, no. what you want to hear at any stage in the no. season. It is, um, it's just so sad to see that, unfortunately, with all of that happening... Had it have been maybe one, might have seen a little return around finals time if lucky enough. But the whole Yeah, it's 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 a really hard injury to come back from. It takes so much time. It takes confidence to get back to where you were. So, exactly. Um, you know, chin up. Hopefully he recovers well and is back for season 23. Um, and just adding a little bit of insult to injury there, Dunster is dating the sister of the man who injured him, so... Few awkward Christmas dinners coming up, I think. A few awkward year-round dinners. Eh? Sunday barbecues on hold for a little while. Um, we wrap up every every episode the same way. We talk about the fits of the week. Mm. We just had the NBA All Star game. Of course, we're going to have some good fits there. Of course, we're going to have some not good fits there. We'll touch on some ones that weren't fit of the week. Number one, James Harden in his first game at Philly. I don't know if you saw this, but he wore a fucking trench coat that was beetroot color with tan sleeves. Mm. Awful. One way to avoid being stained by beetroot. Yeah. Str- strategic thinking, I guess. Stylishly, not the best play. Nah, awful. And Jared Allen copped a lot of flack on social media for his all-star game fit. I don't know if you saw it, but it was like looked like a Kmart hoodie, jeans, and off-brand Vans. Yeah. He went up on stage, or he went up at a press conference the day after and said, what, am I going to wear like a $5,000 chain? I just like being comfy, but... Literally just looked like a background extra from a fucking like ABC show yeah. or something. Just he's not rocking up for the red carpet, is no. he? But who is? Lamelo Ball, first All Star game. I put a tweet out there last night, but it's incredible just to think that I used to watch him on YouTube shooting half court shots as a fifteen year old. Then we watched him in person, fucking down the road here, and now we're watching him in the NBA All Star game. And he rocked up in style. He had a matching purple suit, two piece. Pink shirt underneath, purple sunnies, pink and purple shoes. Can you say you're surprised? With the outfit? 
Yeah. No. No. It was it, it was what I was expecting. Melo's gonna do what Melo does. But I'm glad I'm glad he delivered. Yeah, for sure. That's it. That's it. Wow, that's it. What a week. What an episode. Good to be back. We'll be back with some consistency after next week because I'm in Port Douglas. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> just solo adventuring, you know. Going away just to, um, as Liam Duffy was. Yeah. Yeah, Liam Duffy went away. He tried out for a few... Um, He's on an E-Pro love journey major He's trying to find options. himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm going full Ger- Sarah Jessica Parker. I love it. I love it. Yeah, just, you know, who knows? It'll be Maybe a there's a the mermaid studio. up there in... In Port Douglas, that makes her way home with me. I don't know. But, yeah, we'll definitely be back with some consistency after that and probably in really good timing for the NRL season to start. Um, NBA will be back in full swing. And it's an exciting time to be a sporting fan. It's exciting for us because this is really our first opportunity to talk real um, Australian sport. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll Um, be good. To have the NRL back in full swing and... One thing we probably won't cover too much of is the AFL, outside of maybe some major stories or some major controversy. Let us know. If you really want it, we'll, we'll have a look at it, but yeah. we're good We're good, New South Wales boys. We never we never got into the old Sharon wall. Yeah, we didn't, um, we didn't venture down to Vic there. So let us know what your thoughts were on the NFL Super Bowl, the All-Star Weekend via our socials. Connect with us. Um, keep an eye out for us to share the link to join the Fantasy League. And yeah, get around it. Stay sexy. Bye.